Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Let's Huddle with Ed Cunningham, a podcast at the intersection of sports, sports media, Hollywood, and hopefully life itself. I'm the executive producer and host, Ed. In this episode, we huddle with Doug Smith, a golf lifer who was the first black player at the University of Louisville and just worked on an all-minority broadcast team covering a tournament for the Golf Channel, a first in the business, a business looking to diversify but still struggling. It's worth noting that Doug started playing at Louisville in 2003. After finally giving up his dream of playing on the PGA Tour, it was golf that finally pulled him into his adult life. He now works for a golf technology company, hosts two golf podcasts, and now as a golf analyst and reporter. And it all began with his frustration of the few opportunities afforded blacks and golfers of color. Doug's story is inspiring, and his grit and ingenuity shine through. As they say in golf, in a good way, Doug is a grinder. He just sort of figures things out. This is Rock Bottom to Scottsdale with Doug Smith. Before I get into the, you know, when I saw what you guys did at Torrey Pines, by the way, which I love and is an amazing course, the all-minority team calling for the Golf Channel, you know, that was what Mm -hmm. brought me into your story, and that's why I reached out to you. And then as I sort of dug in, I think it'd be good and you know, sort of a weird time for you is to actually go back to 2012 when you wrote that article. Uh, It was an open (laughs) letter. Uh, Explain what that letter was and what was it intended (laughs) 10 years ago. It was a unique time. And excuse the typos that you saw in that that letter. I just just got to a point where I was a bit frustrated. Unfortunately, I was watching my mom lose a battle to pancreatic cancer. Mm. And uh, she was in the she was in the room next to me and hospice was in and Pete McDaniel had a special on Golf Channel. I, was, I think it was Uneven Lies. And I remember seeing that and it was so frustrating because everybody had these ideas, all these adults, right? I had just graduated. It was on in February of 09 and I had graduated in December of 08. And I was, I was extremely frustrated by this panelist of experts and nobody had lived it. You know, my attitude then was, you know, I played quote unquote, big time division one golf at the University of Louisville. And I had transferred to Florida A&M and everybody had this take, like, where's the next black talent? And, and where are these guys? And where is the tiger boom, et cetera. I was, I was frustrated. It's like me, I'm right here. Like hmm. I'm right here watching my mom die. You guys have these bogus ideas and nobody is actually talking to the people on the ground or the people that were living it. I was just in a weird way, like with life, you know, watching my mom, you know, her demise and, so I wrote that, you know, and I just wrote a. Just, I didn't even know what I was going to do with it after I wrote it. I sent it to a couple of people and they sent it to a couple of people. And, you know, it turned out to be kind of like this, I guess, manifesto of, I don't know, this Doug Smith uh, memo, I guess. Mm. It was my, and for uh, context, my Jerry Maguire moment. And were you able to share it with your mom before she passed? No, unfortunately, she died like uh, she died the 24th. I forget what the air date mm. was, but it was in that window. So. No, she had, um, no, she was, she was too far on the other side when I wrote. Mm. And explain what that program was. What was it about that panel? What were they talking about? And specifically the idea that Tiger somehow would magically cure how hard it is to play golf in America. You know, just from, from my standpoint, it was just, everybody had this idea that we need to create this, this black golf Academy and, and take the U.S approach which isn't a bad idea why are we not investing in players that could do it now 
And I felt like at the I was one of those players that that could have made it to the PGA Tour. Um, I felt like I was playing at a high level, and it just the answer was simple to me as a 23, 24 year old guy. I was like, we need sponsorship. We need money. Golf was so expensive. I remember I went before it was the invitational or a WGC event. I went down to Monday qualify for the um, St. Jude. I got pre-qualifier and had a really good round going and I ended up missing by two. But when I looked at my bank account and I had used you know, the money from my mom's death as my initial sponsor, I had spent, I think it was $1,400 to come up empty handed. And that was when I was kind of like, who the hell can do this? Who can afford to try to play this game and not succeed immediately? Like if you don't succeed immediately, like it's over, Mm. you know, who has $1,400 a week that they can spend chasing Mondays. That was kind of, you know, another eye opening moment for me. And again, a lot of the great talent that we had coming out of HBCUs, they went directly to work. You know, I don't, you know, my, both my parents work. My dad uh, worked at the post office and then my mom was an decorator. And wow, it's not like we mom? had, she was an interior decorator. Yeah. So it's not like we had this, like, you know, just stacks of money sitting around. And, you know, I also didn't have the, at that time, I didn't have access to capital. I didn't have access to people with money, mm. um, you know, playing in the lanes that I played in. So it was, you know, I didn't agree with what they were saying. Um, because it was, it just felt kind of myopic, like they were on their own soapbox at the time. I understand their point now as, a, as an adult who's been in the game, you know, over 30, 33 plus years uh, now. But, you know, at that time, I didn't understand it. You know, the access is the key. You know, everyone talks about how do you solve this stuff? Access. Let people mix it up. Let people go meet rich guys who might write a $1,400 check because they think you're going to make it and they just want to be inside the ropes when you do. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because those guys yeah. exist. I mean, look at what, yeah. I don't know if you follow college football, but with the name, image, and likeness, there are these groups that are called collectives now that are essentially paying kids NIL money to sign with certain universities. I mean, it's the right? AAU approach in basketball. I mean, it's, right. it's been done, right. it's been done so for in years. Golf, it's just, now it's legal. <laughs> in golf, you know, access to people who, who can write checks and sponsor you. It's all about access. What were you bumping up against? What didn't feel like you didn't have access and why in 2012? I didn't have my stuff together to present, right, at that time, right? I didn't have a business plan, how I was going to repay investors. I didn't know that's, you know, those were the things that I needed. I didn't know to have a deck, Mm. basically, a pitch deck to show people this is who I am. This is what I've done. This is what I'm projecting to do. This is the budget that I'm that I need to, to play these actual tournaments, these Mondays um, qualifiers. And I just, I didn't know the business side of, of how to present myself to people that could invest. I think that mm-hmm. was like one yeah. of the biggest takeaways. And then, and then it got to the point where it was like the hell with this, I'm just going to get, get a gig and I'm going to work my butt off. And I'm going to save up some money. And that's what I end up doing. You mean like a, 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 at that time, a day job? Uh, yeah, type, like yeah. A, like a, like a, you know, and. And you what'd know, you do? I, I actually was um, the assistant to the vice president of university relations at Florida A&M. Hmm. I was her assistant. How I got the job is a different story for a whole nother time. Uh, but it was golf. And, and, and it what was, was, go- it was still golf. Well, it took me on a almost a 10 year run of fundraising. You know, I fundraised at FAMU and then I went to. Um, 
well, brief stint at IMG where I sold uh, mm. sponsorship. And then I found my way to Ohio State, the Ohio State. So OH to all the Buckeyes out there. And, you know, I was at Ohio State for in the medical center. I was a, a fundraiser for the Department of Ophthalmology, Plastic Surgery and Urology. So that was That's amazing. And then and then I, I made it all the way to senior director of advancement. And I got to a point where it was like, I got money. Do you have the balls to give up rent paid and, and benefits and, you know, those types of things. And I, I remember I watched the, it was a Steve Harvey clip years ago, probably 2015. And it was like, um, you just got to jump like to be who you want to be. Like you got to, you got to take a leap of faith. You're going to get scarred up. You're going to hit the rocks on the way down and you're going to get scarred up, but you'll be thankful that you jump later in life. And that's, that was like what I took to the grave. Like, I was like, you know what? I know how to raise money now. I have access to capital. I have my own money. So I'm out of here, man. I, I threw the deuces to, to the office job. When was that? When was that? That was uh, end of 15, early 16. And then what? And then I failed. <laughs> I failed oh, on the course. Miserably. Absolutely. You know, mm. I, I ran, I've never seen money go so fast. I'd also never been to the countries that I had been to. You don't know what living is until you're in Bogota, Colombia with $600 to your name. You know, and it, but those experiences, you know, I earned. And now, you know, as I'm into this space I'm in now, I can I can call on a very unique set of I don't know if you call it skills, but, uh, you know, my ability to you know talk to, to people at different levels. You know, I can talk to the janitor or to the CEO of the same company. I feel like I have something that is common mm. with those folks. And, and now it's it's not about me. You know, it's about you know, leveraging whatever we can to make sure that there's not another another kid or, or, or young man or young woman that think they have what it takes. You know, I feel like everybody should be afforded the opportunity to fail. And that sounds really weird. Um, but I, you know, failure and success, especially in this game, is could be the difference in one shot, one week, uh, a stretch of, of months. And I feel like everybody in any field, any sport, uh, should be able to, you know, test their merit to see if they actually do have what it takes. Mm. When you finally hang them up, you probably remember the day, right? <laughs> You're like, oh All God, right. yeah, I do. <laughs> what, what, what was it, and what was that conversation? Because you you made an early run at it. You went and learned a really great skill, and congratulations on building that career. That's a foundational career. You can always go, go raise money for universities, man. Absolutely, it's not <laughs> going to fall it's, back. It's like taxes and death. That, yeah, you're good. Not yeah, going you're nowhere. Good. That day job's always there. But take me from the day you say I'm not going to chase this anymore, and then. Take me through your sort of career and life path to, oh God, you know, till, till now. How, yeah, how did no. all that transition happen? <laughs> um, so I, you know, social media, right? So I had, I had some friends that started a golf company called TruSpec. Um, when I was in Ohio, they had started in Ohio. So TruSpec Golf, the custom club fitting company, Hoyt McGarity and, and a guy, he's not there anymore, but his name was Tim Cody. And when I was in you know, Columbus, Ohio, which is where I was playing out of professionally originally, I, I went to New York and then I moved back to Columbus and TrueSpec was getting started. You know, they started 14, so 15, they were starting to catch their stride. And so I was a brand ambassador for them. And then I to um, Fort Lauderdale to be able to fly back and forth to play the uh, PGA Tour Latin America because it was just easier to fly out of Miami. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a just a mini tour event. And I, I knew I only had like enough money 
left in my bank account for this one event, right? I only had like 600 bucks or 400 bucks, whatever it was. And I, I, I finished outside of the money and I've never cried so hard. It was embarrassing to say all this back then, but now it's like, it was such a foundational day because I, I got to the bottom, you know, like I, I got to the bottom. I have $400. I had about $20,000 in credit card bills and I had no way to pay for it. Like just, and all that hit missed the money. And it's just, it was a heavy moment, you know, and it was a moment where I underestimated the, the learning curve from leaving the office to play professional golf. Like when I put all this stuff together, like I didn't budget as naive as it is. I thought I would just leave the office, practice, go qualify, and then be on PJ Tour Latin America. I really, like, honestly, that was my thinking. I underestimated the mini tour grind and going back and forth to Florida. So I was driving from Ohio to Florida to play in events like every other week all over the state of Florida. And luckily, my buddy Tim Cody, still a good friend to this day, he's we got this this true spec thing. We're, we're, we're about to move our headquarters from Columbus, Ohio to Scottsdale. What do you think about being a fitter? And I was like, yo, uh, how much? He gave me the number. And I was like, cool, I'll, I'll, I'm moving. I'm coming. Mm. So talk, talk to my wife at the time. And she had launched a podcast called Differente. That's, that's my wife's podcast. And I was helping her do her podcast and telling her, you know, how to use her voice, and different inflections and all this stuff that I had no idea that I even knew. Right. Like, yeah. and then. Yeah. Cause so, sales. Yeah, you, you, if you could do a sales pitch. <laughs> You can do radio. (laughs) So, yeah. So like we ended up coming to to true spec and, you know, true spec was then purchased by immigrant bank and then the immigrant bank, uh, Howard Milstein started like, you know, purchasing companies within golf, right. Mira golf, true spec golf, golf logics, golf.com golf magazine, all this rolled into one. And uh, my wife doing the podcast. And now I'm part of this like multi-pronged golf holding company being a part of it via true spec. It's, it literally saved my life. You know what I mean? I, Cause I was about to head back to, I had already, you know, had some interviews back in fundraising mm. and um, I was, I was close to being in UNC Asheville. Mm. And like, I was, I was close. If, and, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> Asheville isn't Chapel Hill. No, it's not. No, it's, right. it's yeah. way West. You know, and then I got out here and via the Bill Dickey scholarship association, um, which is a, a minority based scholarship fund they used to have this thing called the bill dickey Invitational, and so it's it's the top minority kids uh, across the country that come to this event every year and it, everything was paid for i mean that's how i flew on my first flight like in the late 90s i'd known cheyenne woods for years and my wife my wife's a producer so she's always thinking of, of content and things to to create and make and package and she's like you know there's no golf podcast from a person of color standpoint hmm. And so she talked to me and she talked to Cheyenne first. And Cheyenne was like, I'm in. And I was like, I don't do no damn podcast. Like the hell? Yeah. I don't even listen to podcasts. So she, we did a couple episodes and then it was fun. Like we got to talk about the game that we both loved from man point. Right. Yeah. Like, and then we got to talk about topics. Like why does golf suck? You're talking to two people that have spent a lifetime in this game. And this is what we hate about the game. Yeah. And, and those episodes, you know, resonated with folks and, um, you know, and then true spec allowed me to, to kind of take on a different role where I'm and now I manage their mobile fitting program. So, you know, now I'm talking to GMs and directors of golf at some of the most prestigious 
you know, courses mm. in the country. Like I, I had a chance to sit down when he was there with Jack Druga at, at Shinnecock to talk about custom fitting and, and have make, have, you know, keeping true spec out there. And, and now, you know, Rick Hartman at Atlantic and Eden Foster at Maidstone. Like these are guys that I talk to on a regular basis because true spec, you know, leverage, you know, the things that I learned in business to, to work, to create, you know, those tours for the mobile fitting program. And, and that's my nine to five. That's what I do. It's amazing. So now I have, you know, three guys that report to me and I'm responsible for, you know, X percent of, of our, our budgets. And it's, it's been some of the, the, the most rewarding work because I get to stay in golf. And then I had the podcast and then that's kind of how my voice, you know, between podcasts and social media, my voice kind of like got out there. And this is live action, Ed. Like this ain't this yeah. is like happening as we speak. Like I'm <laughs> this ain't like, you know, something yeah. I'm looking back on. I'm I'm doing this as we speak right now. Yeah, the, yeah, you're in the grind of this sort of second and a half career. Yes. which has a landed you back in the golf business, frankly, indoors, you probably never would have spent much time in even as a player, because you know, this, you get to the PGA tour, you get to the NFL. There's guys who finish 50 and below and can keep making a living to get in that top 10. Like it, it's just, man, that level of play is, is just different. Oh, so you're it's probably tough. getting in bigger doors and hanging out with bigger names now than you would have as a PGA player and like finishing, it, you know, 27th every weekend. It's funny. My, my partner on beyond the fairway podcast, Will Lowry, we played golf with, with CC Sabathia last week during the waste management and uh, the owner of Silverleaf, Ben Herman. And we kind of looked at each other like, what the hell is going on right now? Like what, how, how is this our reality? Like we're, we're just two guys that love the game. You know, I think we're a good time to be around. And it's like, we're, we're here at, at one of the most exclusive courses in Scottsdale with one of the most recognizable faces in all of sport, mm. you know, and we're here like, and that's, and that, that's the power of the game. Ed. And that's, that's what, that's what people need to, to understand about golf and why it's so important to grow the game amongst minorities. And, and just, just, I, I don't want to say the have nots, but the people that, that wouldn't, you know, have an entree into the game because what it can do from a, a social mobility standpoint, like I'm sitting here talking to you, you know who I am because of golf. Like that's, mm. that's crazy as hell to me. Like it's nuts. Mm. And um, I don't know, like I'm, I'm living it right now. I'm pinching myself like literally most days. You know, it, it was, it, got interesting. <laughs> it was interesting. We were talking about the 2012 you when you were frustrated trying to get in the business to now and we were talking about access. I, and I see this in all sports. If you're a parent or you're guiding a young person who's trying to get into sports at an elite level, navigate them to, yes, perform between the lines, hit below par or you can't stay on tour. But they should sort of set up a program where now go work in club fitting, now go work in marketing, now go learn how to be a PGA pro and run a you know, a golf course. Exactly. So, because it's like this focus in all of our communities, all of our communities, youth sports and anything about it is win, 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 get a college scholarship. Oh, it didn't work out where the truth is golf is a multi-billion dollar enterprise and yeah. it's not going anywhere. People love to play it. There's deep, you know, hardcore fans. I'm one of them. Yeah. So you found Absolutely. your way into the golf industry, but I wonder if there's a way we could sort of, it's okay for everyone to try hard in sports, but man, there's a whole industry around those sports where if they don't become the starting pitcher for the Yankees, they could be the marketing director for the New York Yankees. You know, there's just so many. And let me say, let, let me say too, because if I don't say it, I'm, 
it's just gonna come back on me. Aaron Hicks was also in that group since you brought the Yankees up. I don't want to forget that mm. to mention Aaron. Like that's that's my that's my guy. So yeah, I can't leave him out of that story. So sorry, Hicks. But you know, it, it, it's one of those things where I don't think that a lot of authentic people have been in a position to speak to you know the powers that be, right? So you know, I talked to Seth Wah probably every other week about different initiatives because i you know i'm i am a pga uh professional still trying to finish my my uh associateship whatever it's called uh but seth and i we, we talk we have these conversations these hard conversations you know and uh, i mean you look at an organization like the pga of america they tout the twenty nine thousand pga professionals but they don't tell you about the 160 that identify as black african-american it's those conversations being you know authentically me that i've been able to I won't say have say, but I've been able to make sure that certain folks can think different, you know, uh, because, look, when you're in these boardrooms, odds are you're not going to get to a lot of people that have a background like mine. Not in business. I'm just saying black kid from nowhere, Kentucky, that loves this game of golf. Right. That's that's what I'm saying. Like that lives, breathes. I mean, I work in golf when I'm not playing golf, when I'm not working in golf, I'm playing golf. When I'm not playing golf. I'm something with a golf club or golf related either tinkering with my clubs or, or something like I don't put I don't put this down like you know what I mean? like, golf I is your star trek that's what I do like that's that's it you know it's my passion my yeah. career and it's my you know where I go to get away so it's like I don't I don't avoid this and you know that's why I was so thankful for you know Molly Solomon and the folks at NBC for you know giving us a voice on on a, on a podcast. I mean, you talk yeah. about rolling the dice. You took you took two black voices and put them on a podcast to talk about golf. I mean, that's a ballsy move. You know, in my in yeah. my opinion, it's not it's not safe me talking about the game because I'm calling. Yeah, people and I've listened. It's uh, beyond the fairway. <laughs> uh, it's a really terrific show. And Thank and you. by the way. It's almost not about golf. Uh, it's not. So, you it's know, people beyond the fairways, a really good lesson with great guests and, and congrats. It's really terrifically. Well, I appreciate that. And that's the thing, like we've, we've, you know, we try to make it our own, you know, so it, it's, it, if you listen to episode one to the last few that we did, it's, you know, we, we realized that we want to show the interconnectivity of the game through the podcast. Not, we don't want it to be the black guy podcast. We don't want it to be, you know, anti-white or, you know, whatever people, you know, deem it and on Twitter and social media, it's, it's a podcast where we really just vibe and talk about like, why love this game? Like, why do you love golf? Like, what is it about this game that makes you, you know, you Steph Curry, you're 200 and some million dollar guy in basketball, but yet you, you, you're on a golf course right now, you know, or, or, or rapper Macklemore, you just started a game. Like, what what is what are you doing playing golf? You know what I'm saying? So it's not it's not so much you know a cultural slant. It's just two dudes with a different swag than I think people are used to having talk about the game. Yeah, it, it's uh, beyond the fairway as the show. I'll put it in uh, the plug, but it's uh, through the Golf Channel and NBC Sports, and that was where I first saw your name and read about you was. January of last year, you were part of a the first all minority broadcast team on the Golf Channel, and I think it was an APGA event. Is that yeah, right? APGA uh, Farmers Invitational. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so that's where I saw it. It was a great piece in the Undefeated, which is part of ESPN, 
um, and your name really popped out because of your background, but explain to folks how that all came together and what happened that day. Man, if I if I knew, I would totally tell you, man, it's a bunch of like it's a bunch of friends that advocated on my behalf. And, you know, you know, having done podcasting for you know, four years now, it does. It's crazy. Like, it doesn't sound like a long time. You do a podcast for four years. That's how it feels. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'd had, you know, hours of content and, you know, it was like a tryout. So. You know, when NBC greenlit the podcast, I had done some other other reporting. Like I went and reported in the Gulf Central for uh, the John Shippen. That was part of the Rocket Mortgage. And then mm-hmm. when I think Golf Channel gets a lot of credit for it, but it was a lot of that was the PJ Tour and PJ Tour Live, PJ Tour Entertainment. Uh, they're the one that actually produced that uh, show. Golf it just went out over Golf Channel, and I'm not taking anything away from Golf Channel, um, but it was kind of this perfect storm, right? Where they were trying to get out of, out of the, the way of the championships uh, in football on that Sunday. So, you know, it went Wednesday to Saturday uh, for the farmer's insurance open. And then um, there was this time gap that was just nobody planned on having open. And, you know, a couple of producers at golf channel had talked to me and Kim Bentley at the APGA tour had, had asked me about it. And, um, you know, I had never done the job. I'll be honest. I've never, you know, I've done, uh, I've done on course reporting. No, I've done, I've, I've reported like stand up stuff. I have, you know, done some live MCing. you know, Will and I had a chance to work with Mike Tarico at, at the uh, rocket mortgage earlier in the year, but that was like live, like people there, not a lot of cameras. So that was the first time that I'd, I've ever been a walker on a broadcast. I mean, look, I've only done, I did the, my first on air ever was the Shriners. And that mm. was what November. I don't whatever it was. Last yeah. year. And then I did the Shriners and then I did Corn Ferry uh, Tour. That was like my second trial. But but more as a stationary <laughs> reporter just, giving sort of your take. I was an analyst. No, I was an analyst. Oh, analyst. On, Got it. Yeah, Got just it. an analyst on the, on, the, on the stream. And then so to have that opportunity, you know, for Golf Channel to trust me not to cuss, like that's like my hardest thing. I, I, not cussing is very difficult. <laughs> you'll, you'll, I did it for years. You'll actually, uh, you'll develop a filter. Oh, good. I think yeah. I got, I think it's gotten yeah. better. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. my only I, goal. Uh, yeah. Things. I did 22 years live and uh, it, it became a filter that I could trust. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm trusting you with that one, Ed. <laughs> um, but no, it was cool because, you know, these are guys that I play golf with. These are guys that I know that were in the field. You know, I, I'm kicking myself that I couldn't play. Right. I wanted to play. Um, but to, to, you know, to be trusted, to, to bring the game to, to the masses for the folks that tuned in, you know, such a, such a compliment and you know, to be able to call Damon Hack and Nota Begay and, you know, pick their brains about this industry because look, I'm fresh, like, let's get it out. Like yeah. I'm, I'm the newest guy on the block and to be able to call, you know, the veterans and, and really, and I'm not, you know, I'm trying to be a journalist, right? Like I'm a fundraiser, a golfer turned fundraiser turned pro turn club fitter right mm. turn broadcaster question like question mark <laughs> so uh but to be able to you know i got to see brandel chambly last week and he and i talked and rich Lerner is is a uh advocate for me and and trying to help me establish this and michael eaves from espn and, and stan everett from espn i mean um i've i've, I've somehow through golf I have this network of people that I can rely on to help me hone this craft. And it's like, man, I just, like I said, I pinch myself because it's, it's crazy that I'm, I'm here right now. 
So you were part of the first all minority broadcast team. You were an on course reporter, right? You were fo- mm-hmm. were you following groups? Yeah, I followed the, the leaders. Uh, so I was in the group uh, with um, Marcus Bird, Tim O'Neill, and Patrick Newcomb, who ended up winning the championship. And yeah, uh, and then that was a story in itself that the the white guy wins the black tournament, and it's like, guys, it's not a black tournament. It's a tour that's built to to raise the sights of 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 minorities within the game like you it's not gonna happen like were you able to express that on the air and make sure people had some context because that you know man and you know like i to be honest with you i was just trying so hard to do my job that i i i just didn't want to ruin that opportunity you know because you know i I feel like the stakes were high for me that day right so i wanted to just play it right you know i had to do the my first champions interview uh with patrick newcomb after the event you know, and, and I, you know, I asked the question, you know, as, you know, on a tour of diversity, like winning this event, how are you going to advocate, you know, for, uh, you know, minorities or people of color or people to come into the game? Like, uh, you know, I, I, I brought it back, but I also didn't want to take away from his moment. Right. Like Patrick, he's from Kentucky, like me. You know, I know what he's been through. I know the talent that he is. And he just he just won this the biggest event, biggest paycheck of his career. Like you don't want to take that away. Right. Mm. So uh, everybody's spun it to look at it from one lens when, you know, I looked at it as here's a guy that works hard, who's played on this tour, who earned his spot. It's an invitational. He was invited. Um, it wasn't like he, he snuck in the back door. Right. And he played the best golf that week. Like and, you know, people are talking about how the white guy wins the black tournament. I think I think they're missing the larger point um, is we as a unit of people, we APGA tour, we golf channel, we PGA tour live. We got to celebrate diversity on the grandest stage possible. And I think that was probably my biggest takeaway from the week was man, like all person of color broadcast team, you know, out of 18 guy invitational, there were only three Caucasian males. Like let's celebrate what we did, like what we accomplished together. Um, That's just kind of my take uh, you know, it'll, people will spin that. So whatever. Yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I, I will say if I were your boss and well, let me, let me, which one, Jeez, hold on, which hold one? on, hold on. <laughs> we're we're going to stay on your broadcast. And stuff. That's, that's, I got, that's where I got some chops, right? I did some years. I, I did, so I did a bunch of uh, sideline reporting in football. I also did the backstage kiss and cry reporting for two years at the national cheerleading championships. Okay. So I had to learn like a whole new sport and how to report that. So I've been in your shoes and I got some great advice from Armin Katayan when I was at mm-hmm. CBS. And I think what you did with your question with a white guy winning what people are calling a black tournament was right. Armin said, ask it in a way that engages them enough to have them answer, but not in a way that they'll will absolutely shut you down. So it's like explore how to ask that question. And I think you found a really good way, which is this tour is about advocacy. It's not about being a black tournament or a white tournament. It's about advocacy. What are you winner (laughs) undefined going to do to help further this mission on this tour that you play on? I think that was, and, and, and what was his answer? Do you recall what he said? I'll be honest with you. I had to MC the trophy presentation with the CEO of farmer's insurance, like seconds later. Right. And uh, I, I kind of like and, you know, you know how it is. Ed. It's like you kind of black out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I watched the, I know what he said, you know, based off the replay, but he, he spun because uh, I don't know if he 
I don't know if he understood it because he was so hype and excited. Yeah. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty it's, uh, front. It's a pretty high level question for someone to think yeah. through at that moment. Yeah. It was probably a little too much, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I wanted to tie back to the mission. Right. I had, I had a mic and some cameras and it was like, I, you could feel that there was going to be something coming. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, you know, Ed, like, you know, when you see whatever it is in sport that that Twitter might get a hold of or Instagram or whatever social media, TikTok, like these memes, like, you know, certain things are going to just go and it's going to go quick. And, you know, like by the time I got on the plane back home the next day, you know, Twitter and, and, and different golf outlets were already writing about this story that should have been less of a story and more of a celebration. You mean the story the that a white guy won this quote unquote black tournament? Yes. Yeah. Wow. I mean, go, oh, yeah, you can go look it up Twitter. So, so there's a story on the undefeated in ESPN. I'll give them credit because they went right to the big story of that day, which was the all minority broadcast team on air broadcast team. And, and, and if you don't understand how big a deal that is, then just study golf and how it's tied to our history in America. And it just, it's, to have that as a big mouthful, if you really understand golf and its history in this country and, and you know, what you have gone through and seen. Right. Um, But the fact that then the media becomes a clickbait that a white guy won this not defined by itself, black tournament, because they're defining it as a black tournament at that point. That's sad. That's sad. it's, It's one of those things, right? Like branding, people always talk about branding, but your brand is what others think of you. Right. Hmm. And I think, Hmm. That 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 definition always gets construed to me because I, I hate when I hear a company talk about, well, it's it's our brand X, Y, Z. It's like, no, 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 no. You have no say in what your brand is. You have say in what your products and how you present yourself to the masses. Hmm. But what they receive is your brand. And so, you know, it's one of those things where I think people need to understand that. People like the golf industry got it right. Yeah. that broadcast right they did they they got it right and we yeah. and because the winner wasn't who pe- the people wanted i guess you could say it turned into this race-centric topic when we should be celebrating and or talking about the, the the fact that these guys played on national tv without a practice round on the third hardest course on the pga tour like yeah. come on you got national tv you got cameras lights people you got ceos people that are funding this and you're playing the biggest stage you've ever seen and you're going in blind, no strategy. Mm. Like that's the story. Like in my opinion, but yeah. hey, I'm, I'm, I'm new here. And, and at Torrey Pines, which is to me, statistically just about, he- just about course. heaven on earth, that golf course. I, I would, I would say it's more hell on earth. <laughs> well, I don't play, I, <laughs> I play, I only play per hole. I never play an aggregate game, a couple of bucks per hole. I, I'll, you know, I'll be in six or seven. The rest I'm going to sit in the cart and watch you guys finish That's why I play the game. keep it in the pocket okay i see how So how, how did you do as a because it sounds like you'd like to be on broadcast you know uh golf channel nbc obviously there's espn fox does i mean a lot of people do a lot of golf is that a career path you want do you want to be on air i'm still i'm still trying to find my niche right like um I, i've enjoyed it it's one of those things where i wanted to be as a kid you know i want to do on air as a kid but you know, even within that, it's such an exclusive, you know, think about 
you can't be in the 18th tower unless you're a PGA tour winner and got a major, right? So, all right, can't be in the tower. So then I have to, you know, host. Well, I don't have much hosting experience. So <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where I just didn't think uh, it could happen. You know, I was a journalism student back in the day in college. And you know, oh, so you could, did you did study journalism? Well, I, journalism. I went to three yeah. schools undergrad. So right. when I stopped by the University of Kentucky for a year, uh, I was a broadcast, I was a broadcast journalism major. Right. And then you just, you know, I, I think life will show you that your dream sometimes isn't attainable which is sad to say out loud, but because you can do so much on your own, right? I didn't need a network to create the Birdies Not BS podcast. I just needed GarageBand and another voice, right? Like you can mm. do your own thing. And that's what, that's what we did. And I didn't, I didn't do it to you know, build a, a reel or whatever. You, I don't even know what it's called, but I, I didn't do it for that. I did it because I wanted to say, I wanted to say to people like, Hey, should you get fit or should you go get a golf lesson? Like, what should you do first if you're coming into the game, mm. right? You know, through COVID, we saw this game grow in leaps and bounds, like double what it did back in the late 90s when, you know, we saw Tiger win the Masters and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the largest contingent that came into the golf via COVID was uh, black girls 8 to 12, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the game exploded. I couldn't even get a tee time to play when I wanted to play during COVID, and you know, I know we're still, it's still COVID, but you know, it's my attitude was people that want to come into the game, either from underserved communities or people of color, they don't have anybody they can vibe with that's talking about this sport the way Cheyenne and I could deliver it with my wife producing. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was, that was it. That was the goal. Like just come here for information. And that was, you know, that's what that's, that was the whole strategy. And, you know, how quickly you know life can change right and how did you do as a sideline or you know i keep saying sideline because that's what i was doing as a uh, on course reporter I, so there's there's some there's some nuances and some cadences that I, I i didn't know uh i think if you listen to the first five holes you're like who the hell is this guy like what the hell is he, why is he out here but as the the round got going and i started understanding like where to be and you know, and you know this, Ed, like learning like the cadences of of Damon and Noda that were in the studio and and they were in the studio in Jacksonville. Like I'm mm. I'm in San Diego. So there's a there's a oh, second. Oh, so they weren't on set. Right. No, right, there's right, there's right. a there's a there's a second delay from me to them. So trying to figure out where I'm supposed to lay out how they throw to me. Those were the things that early on I I, I kept stepping on them and it. And look, we're our own biggest critic, right? So when I listened, when I watched it back, because that was one of the things Tariko told me, he's like, watch everything you do and get better the next mm. time. Because you can't, you can't learn this stuff. Like, it's not like I can go practice this. I can't, right. <laughs> I mean, you can go practice, you can take your phone out and, and, and do it. And, but it, it's not going out over, you know, network air being streamed. Like, so when I watched the playback, there were some things I want to clean up. I don't think I gave, I think my analyses were great personally. But how I, I would get into them, I, I think uh, I got to I got to do better. I got to do it a couple more times before. And then like Damon, and I'm going to call Damon out. Damon like Damon Hack, who Damon is a, Hack. a host yeah. of the Golf Channel. Yeah. So Damon likes to pause when he speaks. Mm. So he'll be like, let's go over to, to the 10th hole and. And it'll stop. And then like two seconds later, he'll be. And again, you know, this one second on air sounds like an eternity of silence. Like it sounds like it lasted forever. So I would 
I thought he was was throwing to me, right? And he was actually just pausing, either you know, taking a breath or whatever he was doing to build the scene. And so I would I would come in when he took the pause, and then so yeah, there's some things that uh, I, you know, I have to clean up, but yeah. I, you know, I give myself a, a B for my first <laughs> time out. Uh, you know, maybe high C B. Well, hey, you know, I'm I'm so glad I saw the article. I'm so glad we got to tell the big story of that day, not the made up racial one <laughs> of your yeah, big it, day. It, um, but it's it's tough in this in this social climate right now. And you know, it's one of those things where you got to understand both sides. And I think that's kind of some of our our issues is we don't take the time to learn both sides and see it from varying viewpoints so we can find the middle between the two and i think uh you know some people probably are pissed off by saying that but it is what it is yes it was doug thanks for joining me as i mentioned there's a terrific piece in the undefeated by pharrell evans all minority broadcast team makes history with the apga tour at tory pines the apga the advocates pro golf association is working hard to add diversity to golf on and off the course you can learn more about them at apgatour.org and you can find doug all over the place He'll work as an analyst on PGA Tour Live. You can see that on ESPN+. Plus. He'll cover about 10 tournaments this year. And, of course, his podcast work, Beyond the Fairway and Birdies Not BS. You can find those wherever you podcast. Thanks, Doug. I look forward to seeing you on the air. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. You can follow the show on social media, Twitter, at Let's Huddle With, Facebook, Let's Huddle With Ed Cunningham, Instagram, Let's Underscore Huddle Underscore With Underscore Ed. If you want to come to the show's webpage, go to Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, search up Let's Huddle, come to our page. Reach out, let us know what you think, any corrections or people you'd like to hear from or about. We'd love to hear from you. Let's Huddle With Ed Cunningham is a production of True Stories Incorporated and is edited by Ryan Lindsay of Fushaw Media. The Believe team on the Let's Huddle Beat, producers Alex Disopoulos, Joe DeLeon, Josh Fisher, audio engineer Carter, Connor Haynes, and Cam Rogers help out with the marketing. And my first contact with Team Believe, Ron Husenstam, the chief executive. Thanks, everyone. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.